0: Welcome to episode 163. Today, we learn about the benefits of digital storytelling. Welcome to the teaching multilingual learners podcast. This podcast celebrates teachers who answer the calling to serve multilingual students and their families. I love teaching the narrative unit. It's an opportunity for students to be super creative and for us to learn a little bit more about them through their stories. My narrative units have always been finished in a published electronic document. However, I've always heard of teachers using digital storytelling and how fun it is, but I never was quite brave enough or didn't really know where to start. Today, international educators, Megan Voss and Safali share their experience of structuring a digital storytelling unit. Now, on to today's podcast. I'm so excited to have Megan Vos and Savali on the podcast. They are fellow international school educators. We'll learn more about them, but they're going to talk about digital storytelling. I love everything digital, and I love story. So, when they sh- shared uh, this approach with their students, I was like, oh my goodness, I need you on the podcast. So Megan and Safali, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Tan, Thank you. we're happy to be here. Thank you.
0: So can you please briefly tell us about how and where you spend your days?
1: I can go first. So my name is Megan Vosk and um, I'm currently teaching at Vienchen International School in Laos. And this is my first year at VIS. Before that, I was teaching with Shafali at the American Embassy School, New Delhi. And I was there for five years. Um, and I'm currently teaching grade seven and 10 individuals and societies in the MYP program. And I'm also doing some um, co-teaching in some science classrooms. And before that at AES in New Delhi, I was teaching um, grade seven uh, English language learners. Oh, and um I'm here with my with my husband Tori and my son Valentine, who's four years old. And so I spend most of my free time with them in the garden, which Tan, you got to come and see our garden over the Christmas break. So you can picture where I am. And it's such a, a lovely garden and a beautiful place. So I hope Shafali can come
2: visit soon too. Thank you, Megan. I look forward to that. <laughs> well- Uh, Currently, I am uh, working with grade five multilingual learners at the American Embassy School in New Delhi, and I would say this school has been my home for the last 15 years. And even though I have spent such a a long time at AES, I feel every year feels really different because of the group of students we get to work with and other learning experiences we have at the school. Oh, I think outside of workplace and work-related conversations, um, I seek joy in very simple things of life. Uh, India is my home. I stay here with my dad and my younger brother. So most of my um, time uh, is spent with my dad, especially during holidays. We spent a lot of time on our rooftop soaking the sun,
0: Let's talk about what is the digital storytelling and how did this unit of digital storytelling unit come about?
1: Uh, So actually, the digital storytelling unit was an idea that came about as I was taking the um, COTEL classes. So COTEL is Certificate of um, Educational Technology and Informational Literacy, and I signed up for the program when I was uh, during lockdown because I was like oh my god I have absolutely no <laughs> don't have a lot of tech skills and now we're doing all teaching online and I need to like up my skills quickly and the education world's changing so quickly so um, I signed up for Coattail and one of the requirements for one of the um, courses was to come up with a unit that used technology in an integrative and more authentic way and that encouraged students to become creators of content rather than just consumers and I'm sure Todd, that's something that you can relate to, too, because you are a creator, right? If your podcast and your website and you're always making stuff, right? And so the students are usually just like looking at stuff that other people have made. So um, I was really trying to think about a way to get students to um, create something that they'd be proud of and to be able to share their voice and their opinion on something. So that's kind of how the digital storytelling idea came about.
0: Yes, I remember that period of time when we all transitioned to digital learning, it was quite a a difficult experience that I have. I felt like I had technology skills and and I entered that, that time period with like deep breaths and really long days. I remember that, especially the first day of like, oh my head hurts at 10 o'clock AM already. What motivated you to collaborate on this digital storytelling unit?
2: I think this might sound really strange, but, Uh, even though Megan uh, and I had been at the same school for almost five years, we really had never met. So when I saw Megan post um, about this unit on Twitter, I just felt that this unit kind of had the potential to create a space and opportunity for students to tell their story, uh, take ownership and demonstrate some agency. And I reached out to Megan on Twitter, asking for her permission if I could implement the unit uh, that she had developed, um, following which uh, Megan proposed that we co-plan and maybe co-teach. And that's how it all began.
0: Okay, are you at two different international schools when you were in India?
2: No, we were uh, we worked in two different divisions. I am in the elementary. And when Megan was at the American Embassy School, she worked in the middle school.
0: Okay, I got it. And so this is what happens when we're Twitter is really great as a tool to connect people even in the same uh, school. Yeah,
1: and I think also like what motivated me to collaborate is that I don't know I just feel like I I work better like when I have someone to share ideas with and to um, bounce things off of. and I don't know like like teaching can be so lonely sometimes because you're, um, just, like, alone in the classroom. And, like, sometimes people don't want to collaborate. Like, people are doing their own thing, and they're busy, and they they don't want you, like, interrupting them. And I don't know, I just welcome any opportunities to work with other people. And um, Shefali seemed really excited about it. And then, like, I felt really excited, too. Like, oh, like, we could work together, and then, like, it will be better. Like, it's always better to, like, work with people that have different perspectives, people that come from different departments, that have different mindsets, different training, different backgrounds. And, so I, I feel like it, it would be an honor to work to work with Shafali and like the, the program that I was doing was all about collaboration. So and like using collaboration to, to develop your teaching in a way that that is more authentic. So I was like, oh yes, let's work together because like that would be way more fun. Plus, like it's COVID times and we're all alone anyway. And so it would be nice if we had like people to talk to on Zoom and Shafali and I did so much collaborating on Slack. Like we were like, just like all day, like talking with each other on Slack and like sharing ideas. And like, it was, I forget Shafali, you were saying you looked at how many Slack messages we had written to each other. And it was like an awful, awful lot.
2: Yeah, it it may have been an awful lot, but I felt that all those conversations kind of, um, when I look back at those conversations, they bring joy to me and also make me reflect on, what is it that made us work so beautifully, and I want to kind of hold on to it. So,
0: well, I think you this podcast this podcast episode is not about collaboration, but however, uh, you're bringing up collaboration. So, I do want to share a quote. My favorite quote about collaboration is, uh, "To go faster, go alone. To go farther, go together." And that's an African proverb. So, you definitely have gone further together. Let's go back and talk about. Wait, I don't think we defined uh, what is digital storytelling.
1: Yeah, so digital storytelling is just what it sounds like. It's when you use multimedia to tell a narrative. So it can be about anything you want. And um, usually you would use like tech tools like iMovie or CapCut and you can produce something that has images, visuals, words. Um, and then kind of some kind of story behind it, music, and you follow the same kind of process you would when you're, you're drafting, you know, an English paper and that you, you kind of come up with an idea for a script and you uh, make an outline and you draft and you revise and you, you peer edit and share and um. There's so many great examples online of digital storytelling, and often it's a, a a personal narrative. So it's it's about something that's important to the creator, and they want to share a story about like their journey in summer camp or what was it like. A lot of our students wrote about what was it like to be a new student and an English learner in a in an English language school, or what was what did it feel like to move from Korea to Delhi when it's so it's completely different in Seoul as and then it is in in Delhi. So. Um, stories that are are personal and important or why golf is why golf is so important to my life and and how did it help me bond with my dad so it's kind of like the old you know personal narrative but with with media and images and like you're telling a movie a little bit and it's usually a little short video like it's no more than like four minutes
0: so I can see this unit uh, fitting in like you said in elementary school and high school it's the narrative unit it always repeats in elementary school, and it gets more sophisticated in, in, in high school. But this is a wonderful way of saying instead of just writing a script or writing a story, we can just provide another alternative for students, differentiate it for them who, who have tech skills to create it as a digital uh, story. So let's and there
1: was this, um, I just want to say, and there's also, it's a, there's a speaking part so the, um, the multilingual students, right, had to also record their audio. And so like we booked the recording studio and the students went in and they got to meet the, um, you know, the guy who does the sound and the, the tech for performances. And so they really, really had to practice, like, because they were going to be reading it aloud. And they were so excited when they got in the sound booth, you know, it looked like they were like on a K-pop concert or something, you know, they were really excited about that. And also I was thinking, you know, like with with chat chat GBT and and ai now right like i don't know if they it can make videos you know i think chat gpt cannot make videos yet so it could write the narrative for you but i don't think you could record the voice or put the images or you know make the whole thing with the music so <laughs> for now that one is maybe something that has to be done by a
0: human i think so i love for you to talk both we'll talk about how you structured this unit
2: um i think uh, what megan was saying about uh, um we kind of followed the writing process. Um, So we started with having students brainstorm ideas. Um, Then we showed them how they could go ahead and plan their ideas. Then they got into writing a script. And then what we did was um, we kind of, uh, even though it was narrative in genre, but we also borrowed ideas from um, uh, graphic novels and graphic short story unit in the sense that once they had the script, then we showed them how they could create kind of like a storyboard so that they could find appropriate images to go with their story uh, with the part of a certain uh, script. And then, so they had the script, they found images to go with that. And then didn't didn't necessarily have to find images from the net, uh, but they could also create their own images. and so, once they had the visuals to go with the script, then they had to think about the mood of their story and they had to look for an appropriate music. So, they kind of created a storyboard with the script, with the images, or other kinds of visuals and music. And then I think uh, we showed them how they could use iMovie to put it all together. But then, before they w- moved on to that step, like Megan was mentioning, they went to a recording studio to record their script, and then I think it was a matter of like they had all the ingredients ready, and they had to kind of just put it together. Uh, so that was the process we followed. But um, I think uh, the one thing that this process does not quite capture is uh, the uh, uh, the opportunities for them to. Uh, come together um, as fifth grade and seventh grade students to collaborate and also reflect on each other's work and give feedback. And I feel that both for us as educators and for students, I think that piece of um, uh, the unit was was where I think um, enrichment really happened for students and for us.
0: Would you talk more about the collaboration? What does that look like? How did you structure it from two different divisions?
2: First of all, let's talk about like brainstorming ideas. Like um, my group was much bigger, and uh, I think uh, and my um, I, I would see students every other day for forty five minutes, whereas Megan would see them for like eighty five minutes, so they were always a step ahead, which was good for us. So, for example, when it when we started with brainstorming ideas, Um, uh, Megan's group had already brainstormed ideas. And um, I think technology really uh, helped us uh, um, offer those opportunities for collaboration. So by the time we got to brainstorming ideas, Megan's group was already done and they had posted all their ideas um, on Flipgrid. So uh, our students watched those and um, they got really inspired. So that was one, but it wasn't just like looking at each other's work, but also giving feedback. Um, So there were multiple opportunities for them to see each other's work on Padlet, on Flipgrid and give each other feedback. Uh, We also got to, um, this was hard Uh, scheduling wise it was really hard, but we found this day where Megan actually brought her uh, group of students to my class. And we co-taught a lesson on peer feedback. And we modeled giving peer feedback using Caitlin Tucker's um, choice board. And, um, and uh, uh, I think that lesson will stay etched in my memory for a long time because I could see how it transferred uh, to students and how they looked at each other's work and gave them feedback um yeah so
1: and we've watched yeah. that uh, Austin's butterfly clip. Yeah, yeah. you know that classic clip where they're where they're showing the Austin's butterfly I think it's Ron Berger is the it's like a very old clip from the 90s like probably I watched it when I was in teaching school and Shafali remembered it and found it this Austin's butterfly clip where they show how this little boy had drawn a picture of a butterfly And then he shared it with his peers and they workshopped it again and again and again. And then they looked at the iterations of how the butterfly had transformed from the very start until the end. And you could see like amazing, like how much better it had become. And so we talked about that with the students too. And I think that also really inspired them because you can see visually how much better it gets after the feedback. And that's the the stage of the writing process, I think, where the kids usually... They usually do the draft and then they're done, right? They don't go back and revise or edit. And so we did a lot of modeling as well because I made my own digital story. So I followed the process with the students, but I was one step ahead and I kept showing my work to the students and asking them what did they think. So they gave me a lot of feedback and I also posted a lot of versions of my my digital story that I made, like the student said at one point, like the music is too loud. This music doesn't go like um, we can't hear you there. These pictures don't fit. So like they also gave me a lot of feedback and I think I was vulnerable. So that, that inspired them also.
2: I think what worked beautifully was that Megan was one step ahead of her seventh group students and they were ahead of us. So Megan would create something, share it with her group of students, get feedback from them and from me, and then grade seven would work on it, and they would share their work with grade five students, which would inspire grade five students, but also they would give each other feedback. So the um, peer peer feedback and reflection was kind of like ongoing.
0: So it sounds like from from people who are not familiar with it, it it's... It can seem like, oh, this is just a fun way to get students to write and add some technology, but it's really not. It's, it's teaching the core uh, uh, phases of the writing process and developing students' communication skills, but also um, social emotional skills and skills that they need for life is just collaboration and communication.
1: And the title of our unit was Your Story Matters. And we talked to students a lot about how like their voice is really important and like their perspective is important. And that um, I was really coming from a perspective that sometimes the multilingual students are kind of marginalized in the in their classrooms and like, you don't really hear from them very much. They're just like a quiet language learner kind of sitting. So this was really an opportunity for them to share their, their views on, on something that was important to them. And we talked a lot about what's the heart of the story and like, what is the main message you want to come get across? And like, how do we get that across? Like the lesson or the theme or the thing that's really important to you. And it was very process oriented. And I loved it. Like I had, I talked to some other folks who were using digital storytelling. They said, you can use it just like at the end of a unit as a summative, like here's a, just make a quick digital story um, to like show what you learned about the water cycle, you know, but then this, the way we did it was, it was, it was very, very process oriented and kind of more about like the journey rather than, I mean, cause you can do anything right as, as quickly as you want to, or you can spend as much time as you want to. And I thought it was good that we spent a lot of time because the students really saw like how that when you create something, it it sometimes is a really long process. And it's not just like a fast like it's a thoughtful thing.
0: So let's talk about the technology part. Uh, So how did you do you have students get the images? Was it animated or was it just like a voiceover of uh, a picture in the background?
2: There was a huge there was a lot of variety, I would say. It wasn't just one kind of thing that they added to their digital story.
1: Some students used their personal photos. so, like students that were talking about their move, like or what it was like at different schools, they used photos that they had taken. or one one student made this very sweet one about his friends, and he included all these photos of him and his friends playing soccer and doing all these activities. and Um, other students we used, um, we used just like free images from like Pixabay or Unsplash. And so we we also did a lot of lessons on like, how do you cite stuff appropriately? Or how do you use royalty free music? And so that was a, a big learning curve for them. And then once you gather the images, how do you make sure that the Images make sense, you know, and, and how, that they fit the, the theme and the style you're going for. And they spend a lot of time on those sites, like looking for just the right picture, you know, the one that they really thought would capture what they were trying to convey.
2: I also feel that as a school, um, we use a lot of uh, those making thinking visible protocols. And the one that comes to mind is color symbol image. And many students also leaned towards what symbol might be most appropriate for what I want to say. So they looked, they went to Noun Project website and kind of uh, used some of uh, the symbols and icons from that website. Um, I just felt that uh, this, 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 this was a unit that really gave them a lot to think about and also taught us and our students to kind of go slow So that um, we could thoughtfully choose words, we could thoughtfully choose images and music to kind of tell our story.
0: Can you paint for us each? um, So Safali, you would give us a fifth grade student and Megan, you would give us a seventh grade student. Can you tell us a really memorable student who like was who really was really engaged with this project? What did that look like for him or her or they?
2: And I felt that one sign of engagement was also that students were determining how much time they would need to do um, a certain part of the project. So to me, engagement was like wanting to do the 100%, uh, being totally focused, wanting to improve on their first version and really taking agency and showing ownership of the whole project. Um, And there isn't this any one student that comes to mind because maybe because my group was really large. I mean, I saw so many students kind of um, make huge gains um, on that front and uh, really be um, really invest all of their energy as well as emotions into developing their digital story.
1: I can share about the student that I mentioned earlier that did the digital story called Friends and um, he was from Japan and he had just moved from Japan in November and we did the digital storytelling unit probably in about March so he was just kind of starting to become a part of the community at the school in Delhi and he wrote this beautiful story about how his friends in Japan had always supported him and they had played together and he had had a best friend for so long. And then when he came to India, he was really upset because like he couldn't speak English and he couldn't communicate with anybody. And there wasn't that many other Japanese students. And he really felt alone. And then he talked in the story about how when he joined the soccer team. in in Delhi, that's when he started to make new friends. And in in his digital story, he showed all these pictures of first him playing soccer in Japan with his old friends, and then of him playing soccer, you know, in in India with his new friends. And most of the students in the class who were um, also like language learners, they hadn't heard his voice at all. So like the first time that we like basically had heard him speak was when I was showing the the story for the, for the class, you know, when I was playing it, and it was almost like his, his debut. And the kids were like, Oh my God, like you sound amazing. Like they gave him like a standing ovation. And I know he was just so happy. And then afterward we had them do, um, Shifali can talk about this more, but we had them do like a one pager painted journal reflection. And he wrote about how um, like he, he, when he was in the recording studio, he did like three or four takes because he really wanted it to sound good. And how he was practicing and, and it was just so beautiful. And then the the part that is is really the kicker is that when I when I got to Vientiane on the the second day, like some student came up to me and said, "Oh, are you Miss Fosk?" And I said, "Yeah, Miss Fosk." He said, "Tamoki is my best friend." He said that student is my best friend, and like he told me all about you and how you're like his favorite teacher ever because like you did this project with him and like he showed me his video and like it was it was just so amazing. Like whenever I see this this student, I always think like oh like that's his friend. Like I know just was really sweet. I know I like that like made my day. And he's like he told me to told me to give you this hug, you know like when the, the kid came up to my door and you could see he was like so nervous. He's like, are you Miss Vosk? Like. I heard so much about you he's like I'm really mad I don't know if you're class now so I know it really it really warms me like I don't know this is wonderful
0: so the so those two boys were in Japan together and then they moved one to Laos and then one to yes Japan uh, to India yes can you speak about a small world oh my goodness
2: I call those things small miracles
0: small miracles that make a big difference Let's talk about, so we've, let's move to, away from the student side, let's move to the educator center. What was this experience like for you as collaborators?
2: First of all, I think um, I was just excited about the fact that I was going to collaborate with someone from a different division, um, especially in times when it was hard to be really excited about anything. Um, so that was one, but, uh, I have to say that when Megan and I met for the very first time to kind of co-plan, um, everything just, uh, flowed so smoothly and so naturally that I got more excited with each passing day. Uh, for me as an educator, um, the things that I experienced in this collaboration, uh, are things that I had aspired to. Uh, and because I was able to experience those, this collaboration will stay kind of like etched in my memory for a really long time to come. Number one was, um, you know, I worked with Dr. Mary Ehrenworth at a conference where uh, she said that the energy and emotions you bring to a unit is the energy and emotion that students will show. So if you're excited about something, students will be excited about it. And I felt that because both Megan and I were super excited about how things were unfolding, students could kind of sense that energy and they were equally excited about every lesson um, and every stage of that digital story um, that they were developing. So that was one. And I think I'm going to remember that for a long time to come what Dr. Mary Erin said about the energy and emotions you bring to to any kind of an experience. Two was that, you know, as schools, we talk a lot about norms of collaboration, uh, those seven norms of collaboration. And sometimes those can seem like, um, like just theoretical principles. And you wonder how can you practice all those seven in any collaboration, uh, but in all honesty, I experienced all of those norms of collaboration in working together with Megan, uh, and I walked away thinking that when there is an intentionality to um, coming together, and there is that mindset and heartset for it, um, it's 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 definitely possible and doable. And the third thing was. Um, to really try new things. You know, you uh, uh, as an educator, there are always these days um, or times when you feel, well, I've done this and I've done that. There's nothing really more, but I think um, there is so much out there and we just have to seek and reach out to people uh, that have different ideas. And uh, like I reached out to Megan uh, on Twitter and, you uh, uh, There is so much uh, to learn from each other, um, so much to try, uh, so many new things to try. And that I feel can impact how you view uh, your profession, how you view your practice. And that eventually kind of um, translates into how you're going to interact with your students and the kind of learning experiences you're going to design for them.
1: For me, I think. Like Shefali said, it really did like bring us hope during those dark COVID days. Cause actually when we had our first planning meeting, like I had COVID, like I was going to cancel on Shefali. Like, I was like, I don't want to go to this same meeting. And like, I felt so sick. And then, um, and then Shefali like later on said like, Oh, I feel like I talked a lot during that meeting. I was like, yeah, cause then like, I had COVID. <laughs> I felt so bad and so tired. And like, but like, I still felt like it was like important to like try and, and do this collaboration, because, like, I was excited about it, and she was excited about it, and then, like, when I told my students about it, like, there was a bunch of them that had had Shefali, so they had been in her class, and, like, oh, yeah, we love Miss Shefali, like, we know where her class is, like, we're gonna go there, and we're gonna do it for her, and, like, after we went and visited, they're, like, when are we gonna go again, like, we want to go back to Miss Shefali's class, so, like, they were so excited to be doing something different and like those opportunities to like get outside the classroom, like had just got down to nothing after COVID. Right. So just being able to like go for that one hour to, to her classroom and collaborate, like felt, felt so nice. And um, I don't know, like the, like the, the workload was shared and like, we had a shared planning folder and like, she would put something in and then I would put something in. And um, even like cool stuff happened, like Shafali organized the and a, um, a special night for the students with a photographer in Quebec that she knew, and and the photographer talked about how she finds a story and how she takes a picture, and it was a special evening for parents, you know. And then um, together, Shafali and I led a, a PD workshop at our at our school for for other teachers who were interested in, in digital storytelling, and and that was really nice. And then we were thinking like, oh, we can write an article, you know. So we're going to try and do that, and like. Now, like she's so far away, but like I still hold this like special experience in my heart. Like even like I feel sad like now, and I think about oh, like I'm just new on my current job, and like I don't know like who will collaborate with me next, and like when Shafali and I were meeting to plan like for for the podcast, like it was so nice to to see her again and to talk to her, and like like brought up all those warm fuzzy memories and how nice it was when we were working together. That was really special, and like Shafali gave me a um, she gave me a little butterfly. She gave me a butterfly to remember a collaboration since we had studied the Austin's butterfly. So it was really nice.
0: And this is what happens when we find someone we can work with that is aligned and ready to work with us. And so, beautiful example. Let's close the podcast. We're talking about red light, green light, and yellow light. So a red light is something you ask teachers to, uh, to not do if they were to do this project. Um, a, yellow, a green light is something you would ask them to start doing in terms of this project. Yellow really means um, what can we keep doing in terms of teaching writing instruction to multilingual students.
1: And I, I know this question because you ask all, your, um, all the people on your podcast, you ask them this question in some way or another. You know, this is your question, Tom, but I wasn't ready for it. Like I should, I should have prepared. I knew you would ask this question. Um, let's see. So the red light would be definitely don't um don't rush it like you should take your time with this and you shouldn't rush through the steps or feel like you have to um rush the students or like they have to meet this deadline because i think if um i think if you rush it like it won't be as meaningful I think, and the yellow light, like what teachers should should keep doing is, is using modeling and mentor texts, because I think, and mini lessons, right? Those are like the three cornerstones of um, workshop model, like modeling mentor texts and mini lessons. So I think that those are all perfect things that um, teachers can keep doing. And the green is what should they start doing? Um, I think just like, start like providing more voice and choice the students and I know like UDL is the big buzzword right now and how do we provide more choice to students and I think a I think a unit like this is perfect because it provides so many entry points for students at so many levels and they have so much choice about what to include and how and um, they were really in the driver's seat. So I think that's that's something to start is, is maybe this unit is, is the start of that. And then think about like, what are ways you can continue to do that? And what are ways you can, you can you know, green, like how do you make students be more creators? Because that was like the the heart of like the assignment from, from Cotel, like I mentioned in the beginning. And I think that's really important. Like that the students feel like they are creating something and, and doing things that are creative and making stuff. And like here, like if I ask students like what's your favorite class like they always say like design or art or theater and I think it's because they're making really tangible things and like they can see like that design process and so in the humanities, how do we do that right how do we get kids creating more, but beyond that just like. I don't know, like standard five paragraph essay, like how do we get them creating stuff that's meaningful for them and that's relevant for them and that takes into account their skills? Because like I didn't know how to use iMovie, but like the students were, students really showed me how to use iMovie, you know, like in a, in a way that was interesting and and then we could learn with them and then they felt like they were teaching me and like that was exciting, you know. So I think that's something for it to start doing more as like giving kids opportunities to kind of shine and use their skills and and be in
0: charge of the learning so safali uh, to close off what would you recommend teachers do as the first point of starting with digital storytelling
2: well now that uh, after implementing digital storytelling unit i mean i do have lots of ideas about how this could be important but when i was starting i just felt um that I needed to try out this unit simply because of the multimodality uh, it offered. And this is especially helpful to our multilingual learners. And um, I know as homeroom teachers, we are always trying to find things that kind of go with the standards that we are trying to teach. For once, I would say that even if it does not quite match with any academic standard we are trying to teach, Just try this because the gains don't necessarily have to be purely academic. Um, What Megan was saying about giving students uh, um, voice and choice opportunities to uh, demonstrate agency and ownership, uh, building confidence and being able to decide for themselves um, are, are far greater benefits than academic benefits in my mind. Because I feel uh, when you you create those opportunities, students walk away with skills that I refer to as life skills. Uh, We taught, I think this unit kind of taught us how to teach, but it also taught students how to learn, how to show an understanding of what they already know. Uh, So, I, I I just feel these are really important life skills. So if anybody would want to try this out for the very first time, don't look for reasons to uh, academic reasons to implement the digital storytelling unit.
1: And it's like, fine if you don't have the tech skills. You know, I would say that too. Like if you're a teacher and you're worried, like, I don't have the tech skills, because we also did a lot of partnering with our Um, tech department and they came in and and helped and showed me stuff and they showed the students stuff and um, you know they were like there in the recording studio and they organized stuff so you can also use your resources at school like your maker space or your tech department they can help you
0: what can be measured doesn't always count and what count can't always be measured and so you your story of working together really shows well yes we can measure the academic gains of the standards but there are things we can't really count quantifiably, yet the students were engaged with. So, thank you for sharing um, that, your story with us, and maybe it'll, mo- it'll motivate teachers to think about oh, maybe I'm going to try digital storytelling with my narrative unit that I'm already going to create anyway. So, Megan. And there are
1: so many good resources if you just Google it. Like, if you just Google, Google, like, uh, digital storytelling. I think we got a lot of resources from the University of Houston website, I think, and from uh, Leanne Lavender had a really nice website. So there's like tons of resources out there and it's easy to find stuff. And, And you can message us on Twitter too, because now we know we can share all our resources with you, you know, so we can pass it on since that was how we collaborated. You know, if someone else is interested, we can also share with them.
0: It was great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Tan
1: it's such it was always it's such an honor it's always my dream to be on your podcast
0: before we recap this episode i have a favor and an invitation my favor is to ask you to please review this podcast my invitation is to check out my three courses on english learner portal one is on creating the conditions for mls to thrive one on teacher collaboration and one based on my co-authored book with beth Skelton called long-term success for experienced multilinguals. Now, onto our recap. I really appreciate how practical their suggestions were and how easy they were to implement in a pre existing narrative unit. I love especially the tip of modeling the teacher going through the process for students as a scaffold. That is one of the most effective strategies I've seen in any instruction. Finally, I appreciate how this was an accidental podcast on effective collaboration. What I heard from their collaboration was finding time to plan regularly, sharing resources, and building on each other's strengths and ideas. You'll have to let us know how your digital story unit goes, especially if you're collaborating with another colleague. Wishing you all the best as you explore the Digital Storytelling Unit. Thank you for listening. Be safe and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red, yellow, or green light from this particular episode. Thank you for listening. Be safe and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red yellow or green light from this particular episode.